try. It's Hayward pulling it down, getting around Zubat at midcourt, launches the shot. Oh, and almost went in. Almost went in, and Duke is the king of the dance, 2010. Alford trying to work himself free. Spike down on to Daryl Thomas. Eight seconds to go. On the spike, baseline jump shot in the air. Go! Michigan will have to bring it. Oh, he walked. He walked and the referee missed it. Weber brings it into the front court. They have no timeouts remaining. Oh, he causes too many timeouts. That's a technical foul. He called a timeout. Michigan doesn't have any. He got by with a walk, and Jimmy calls a technical. He he calls a timeout. He doesn't realize that's Michigan's too many. And so it'll be a technical foul. North Carolina shooting and the ball. A huge mental mistake. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Hey, hey, happy sports, everybody. Happy tourney to all, except for, of course, Christian Leitner, um, Barry Goheen from the 1988 Vanderbilt Commodores team, and Scotty Reynolds. Um, congratulations to the Flyers. You lost a professional hockey game 9 nothing, and not just to any hockey team to the blue shirts who are certainly not going to the playoffs and prayers up to Gino Malkin as we await word on his knee injury and hi and hello and welcome to minus three presented as always by FanDuel Sportsbook. Tune in all season long for exclusive offers and odds boosts. FanDuel, more ways to win. And of course, when you're making your wager, make sure you do it. FanDuel.com slash minus three. That's the word minus the number three and follow along. At minus three pod, Hench, what's the poop? Big week here for all sports fans. Of course, we're right on the cusp of uh, of college basketball's tournament tipping off here. Not the NIT, I mean the other uh, postseason tournament. Um, and we have that one, the Bruins shut down, your beloved bees against the Sabres at the time of this recording. Patriots, maybe that's where we should start here. Big week for Boston sports. How are you, Hench? I'm good. You know, obviously excited for the tournament. Um, historically, my favorite sporting event. Um, and obviously looking back to last year was watching some of the some of the video of, uh, you know, Mark Few being interviewed on SportsCenter when the guy goes, yeah, there's no tournament. Huh? What? You know, like like just that moment of, yeah, that's scrubbed. Uh, so obviously super exciting to to see games. Now, that said. We are opening and we're like, we've just kind of decided as a country. Yeah, that was enough. Fuck it. You know, uh, grandma's vaccinated. So fuck it. it. Obviously, COVID is still hanging over sports in a big way. Like you just mentioned the Bruins. And uh, and the other thing that and we'll get into it we to make our tournament picks. But like there's a big difference between your team shut down because of a positive test that that made for contact tracing and your team shut down because half your team got COVID, right? Like when you're trying to pick games, you're like, did these guys just have COVID or was that the equipment manager? That's a big deal. Uh, And and we'll get like Baylor, apparently Baylor had it, you know? And so, so they came back and played like ass after their shutdown. 
Um, but as we get into our picks, uh, I'm hoping I'm making more of an epidemiological pick than a sports prognostication pick. It's like, uh, I'm hoping Baylor's over that, that, uh, COVID run. There's a funny connection there that you mentioned, Hench. I love that. Like we're all legal experts. Um, we're all criminologists because we've watched a lot of TV and movies. I think we understand we would be able to handle, handle the procedure procedural stuff in a courtroom because we've watched LA law and, uh, and, um, a few good men and otherwise we've also become all COVID experts now too. Like, was it, so it was the trainer. So it was just close proximity, close contact. So he doesn't have, we, we all now are divining things because of COVID over the, the last year. I like that. It's also, as I transition into uh, pro football free agency, one of my favorite ones ever for that sort of pretentious train of thought is everybody knows everything about offensive linemen now. Like that guy, Matt Filer, got signed for $20 million in the Chargers. <laughs> I, I think that's overpaying. Like, what do you know? What, what, what do you know, Gary, in Altoona? You don't know which 300-pound man leans good on other uh, big guys. I, mean, I, I love the analysis in free agency week with uh, with what offensive linemen are good. Well, uh, uh, actually, you well, know, we did go, learn the Chiefs, the Chiefs did, did teach us we probably don't want to be down two offensive tackles like you know I mean that was as I as I think back on all the money I lost on the Chiefs there were so many signs that that result was coming uh that I refused to see with my infatuation with Mahomes um still well, say they kind hear of me now believe me later I I will keep saying it I said it on extra points to cousin Sal already this week I've been saying it for a few weeks now the Chargers are going to win that division. They'll forget about the Chiefs and whether or not they get back to the Super Bowl this year. They're going to struggle to win their own division. And look out, who knows what Denver might do at quarterback there, who they might be able to land in the next uh, month well, or so. It that, is and funny. That gets even scarier. Whatever, you know, I mean, obviously there are a lot of people that want Derek Carr to be an elite quarterback. They want to put him, you know, at a level that he's not. And I always think, well – He's definitely at best third in his division. So, so start when you're doing your quarterback rankings, you, you know, start him at three in his division and then move from there. Uh, I, I agree, obviously, that, that uh, the Chargers are, are loaded at that position. Um, yeah, and we'll see what the, what the Broncos do. All right. Well, we keep our focus uh, on Northeast matters and uh, the quarterback um, – uh, race is interesting in the AFC East. Cam Newton now back there. We'll get into oh, that. And I also want to oh, talk about Lord. Brad Stevens. Well, I want to talk about Brad Stevens in a second here. But first of all, let's uh, let's get things going here like we do every week with our best weekend bets. I'm keeping it entirely focused on college basketball, March Madness. And by the way, shout out uh, to one Mo Damashek. It's the anniversary, I think, of like – 85, I believe. Mo Damashek picked uh, picked me up an adolescent uh, David from uh, from elementary school because I love pit basketball, and they were playing Louisiana Tech. Carl Malone, the mailman and company. Mo Damashek uh, boosted me from school so I could go home and watch Pitt lose. Daryl Shepard and the rest of 
that the Pitt Panthers lose to the mailman and company, but still a righteous deed by old Mo Damashek proving uh, her. uh, God bless her because all I took away from that story was you were an adolescent in elementary school. How were you kept back? (laughs) (laughs) Mo Damashek picked up a a 14-year-old third grader named Dave take him to a basketball game. I don't remember what grade I was, but I, but, but, but listen, don't let's not, let's not bury the lead here. That was great. That was a great move. That was a great move by a mother, a parental figure. Sure. Like, yes, your books are important, but so too is your passion. For but so too is learning sport. about heartbreak. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, that's really what marks for me as a, uh, as a dual pit, and Indiana University basketball fan, really, over the course of my life, it's it, the the tournament has spelled pain. Not really. There aren't joyous moments so many as there are heartbreakers for me. But I will go with, um, first of all, with Cuse, um, plus three, playing San Diego State. You know I'm a pedigree snob. I like the cues here against San Diego State. The uh, the Aztecs have not gotten a look. This is a story as old as time, or at least as old as Jim Beheim. The two three zone as old as in, as old as you were in third grade, something like that. I like the cues here. San Diego State, like I say, has not seen that two three zone. It gives people fits um, when they see it for the first time. Um, and again, riding the pedigree of uh, of the cues, I'm going to go there. Gut pick. Devil's Damashek pick, perfect storm for you. Everybody in on Win- Winthrop, Every good odds that a 12 seed is going to be the five seed. I feel like the public is too in on this now. Nova giving six and a half to Winthrop, a, a lot of money going on uh, on the underdog right now. I get it. I get the spirit of March Madness. This is what people love. In a lot of cases, you might even be able to say Winthrop's the better team. Again, pedigree snob Damashek says, go with Nova, minus the six and a half. I'm going to go with them. And uh, UNC giving a point and a half to Wisconsin, uh, the Tar Heels, six, three, and one against the number the last 10. Wisconsin, three, six, and one against the number. I like uh, the Heels to survive this one and to knock off Baylor after they get through the Badgers. They're going to upset number one seed Baylor. Those are my picks. I'll say you hedge. All right. Well, I'll uh, I'll start with my my overall tournament pick, which I I like Baylor to win the whole thing. We'll get into why. Um, but for mm. for an individual individual game, you know, it's funny how these the you people go like, oh, I've got this great upset pick, and then you go, yeah, everyone has that. Like it's weird how <laughs> you never you think like, ah, I'm onto something here. I figured something out. It's like yeah, everyone figured that one out. Um, but uh, I, I like. I really like Florida State. I like uh, – I'm picking them to, to go to the Final Four in my bracket. And, and Me I think too. Cover, How about that? And I, Sal, and oh Sal also God. has the sem- – Sal oh my God, also has the Seminoles wrong. Final Well, that's a perfect right. example of, of uh, what I was saying. Hey, I, listen to this. Florida State. Yeah, that's what everyone thinks. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, I, I'll take – I think they're going to cover that 10.5 against UNC Greensboro, who everybody uh, says is, is the most talented of the 13s. Um, but I think Florida State's for real, and we'll find out real quick. Uh, and then uh, I pick against your Penguins every week just out of spite, but I think this Gino Malkin thing is going to be kind of an emotional gut punch for them. So 
I'll take the Devils. You'll probably get a nice price on them Saturday in the second game of their back-to-back uh, or their, their second game of their two-game series. And then my third pick, do or die for the Celtics. I mean, I don't know. We'll get into Brad Stevens. We'll get into whatever the malaise is in Boston. But they're, they're hosting the Kings Friday night. And, you know, the, the Celtics are 11-7 and seven against the spread at home and 7-15 and 15 against the spread on the road. Um, so I, I take them to cover the number at home Friday. And then if they lose that game, the whole vessel kind of comes apart. I think, you know, then we, then we move into, uh, disgruntled stars wanting to play elsewhere territory, which is super depressing because the Celtics seem destined to be contenders and they are most certainly not. It's very strange. It legitimately is. And, uh, um spaghetti go ahead and give us well let me give my final four for what it's worth if uh if you're hanging uh hanging out there waiting to hear who damashek has going there and i know everybody is i got gonzaga getting to the final four and by the way the percentages indicate that typically two one seats that's that that's the uh comfy place you want to be there with uh when you're making your bracket picks two one seats getting to the final four is apparently um sound bracketing um I go Gonzaga, Florida State, Ohio State, again, owed to the rugged competition in the Big Ten. I think the Buckeyes benefit from that. And then um, I have got Illinois getting there um, as well. Um, Eddie Spaghetti, your picks. Yep, my first one, I'll start with a hockey one. I'm going to go to the Devils-Penguins series here, the Sunday game. The Devils have lost 12 their last 15th, and I – I'm not as sold as Henches on Malkin really hurting them because I think they were going to try to move him anyway. Obviously, now the, the Penguins no, have No, they won. weren't. That's crazy. I, they were not going <clears throat> to try to move him, but okay. I don't agree with that. I think if it's they, always – by the way, guys, it's always hard to, to move a player who can't move. <laughs> I think this derails their ability to move him at <laughs> best, but I really don't think body. they were going to. But hey, I, know everybody, I know everybody was on board with, with trade – uh, one of the best players in the world who, because he's 34, was washed up, but he was playing over the last fortnight as well as anybody on the face of the earth. I'm, t- I'm not, I, I, I'm fine if I know you're, I know, trade. a I lot know, of people were on board with that. I know you're plugged into the Pittsburgh scene, but a lot of national people, a lot of good insiders were saying him, Latang could have been the, even Crosby to an extent, but that kind of went away quickly. I don't, I think if they haven't rattled off like seven of your last nine, you guys have won. I think it'd be a different story. So I don't Anyway, I think that the devils are going to lose that game. It'll probably be a goal and a half. I think Pittsburgh will beat them there. Um, this my, my show pick the nets at the magic. The nets have won 14, their last 15 magic are I believe in 14th place. Uh, that should be an easy game for the nets to, to win there. The, the, the best bet of the week. And we've been saying it constantly. If this game happens, a little caveat because of the COVID situation with the Bruins and the Sabres, but the Sabres only have six total wins. I believe Boston's could beat them uh, even on the road, a back, a pick though if if that game does not happen on on saturday you got to go back to the brooklyn nets they're they're hosting uh the washington wizards who i believe are in 13th place not two easy games this weekend for the brooklyn nets so uh and if you want to give my bonus pick since we're talking tournament here in our futures draft that we all had i did place a bet on the on alabama to win it all and they did they're the sec champs 20 bucks down 25 bucks down to win two grand so i'm pulling for them and in our bracket pick that uh, Mikey Meatballs put together for us. I do have Gonzaga winning over Illinois, all chalk, but um, I think those are probably the two best teams. Those are my extra picks there for you. 
I like them, but it, I, I will go against you here. Devils Damashek, the Sabres, uh, in um, in their last 19, this is the recurring point for me, that they are a great bet. Whoever they're playing, take the other team minus the goal and a half, and you're going to win. Um, the caveat, though, the asterisk right now is they fired their coach, did the Sabres, and teams generally get a little bit of a boost from that. I actually would take the Sabres in their first time out against the bees or otherwise um for that like i say that short-term bang well um, anybody anybody who watched the bruins power play against the pens uh that they the bruins before the bad major penalty call before that major penalty uh, we agree that was an atrocity right that was was an atrocity that's you're allowed to hit another player and i hate it by the way happens in the nfl all the time make the call based on the result make the call based on the action on the action, you know, so anytime a, a safety lines up a wide receiver and puts his shoulder right in his chest, yeah, the guy's head's going to snap. His vertebrae are attached. So obviously he's, he's not, it's the, his vertebrae are not fused. His head's going to snap and the flag comes down every time because you hit him too hard, essentially. And obviously that was a, that was a clean open ice hit. And then the guy fell into the boards and it, and it made it a boarding call, but it didn't matter in the game because for the next five minutes, the Bruins power play could not get set up. Like, by the way, the previous power play, the Bruins had seven attempts to get set up in the zone, didn't get set up once. Then they had five minutes to get set up in the zone. The only scoring chance, the Penguins hit the post on a breakaway. Like, the Bruins are in a funk, and those are their best players. The Bruins are deep, deep, deep in a funk. Maybe COVID will be good for them. Um, But, like, so... I'll tell you, I'll just say this. I'll just say that. If uh, Jankowski scores on the breakaway there, I know we have NBA and football to talk about and uh, the deep dive on hockey is coming up with spaghetti and meatballs. But Jankowski scores that goal. I know this is hyperbolic sounding, but if he scores there, that puts the pens into the playoffs because that would have put the Bruins back seven, Flyers with their struggles, Anders Lee out for the Islanders. I would have felt awfully good. Now got a little bit tighter. Um, packed in there and with Gino Malkin's future uncertain. Now I'm, I'm spooked that, that, that post that he hit and the Bruins pulling that one out might be seminal when we look back. And and then, and then, so, so not only were they just atrocious on the power play and I've been joking, like shootouts, you could just put an empty roll of toilet paper on the goal line and, and the Bruins couldn't score in a shootout. Like, it's like, I don't know, like, are these professional hockey players? Like, I don't understand. Like, the goalie's not really making any effort on these these Bruins shootout attempts as they kind of roll the puck into his pad. And then in that Penguins game, which again, Bruins won, but I was writing off the Bruins season during that game. I'm like, this team sucks. So they play pretty bad, but somehow they're up on a on a kind of fluky goal from Frederick, a floater through through a double screen. And then Pasta has an open net from the red line. He misses. Marchand ups him by missing an open net from the blue line. He he's in, he's in, and he lifts it. He lifts it like he goes for top corner. I'm like what are you doing? Like so. so <laughs> the, anyway, uh, but then the emotional roller coaster that is the Mass Mutual. Um, they hold on. They win that game, uh, and then. The news starts coming down, you know, Anders Lee, obviously, that is that is brutal for the Islanders. And then whatever's going on with Gino, 
followed by Flyers might be terrible. So I mean, nine nothing. The season went from over to like, oh, I think we actually clinched a playoff spot because the Rangers mercifully didn't put double digits up on the Flyers. It is, I mean, for real, that, that skunk level stink that the Flyers now have to try to wash off. I don't know that they better get the industrial soap out and the tomato juice and otherwise. This That one's going to take a minute to, to, I mean, to anybody 9 nothing to a team that's not in the playoff picture, losing like that is embarrassing. But all right, you mentioned Brad Stevens, and that's borderline embarrassing given what a lot of people thought the Celtics were capable of doing. We talked about it last week that the NBA's Eastern Conference might be its most compelling and its deepest in 30 years, but still no excuse. And at a time when the Indiana Hoosiers are now looking for a head coach, a lot of buzz about Brad Stevens, of course, who made hay with Butler before he went to the South, going back to the Hoosier State. A lot of buzz about this. First of all, Hench, from a Celtics fan's perspective, how say you? I mean, the, the big question, everybody's like, should he do it? Should he, should he, get, well, you're really going to leave the NBA to go to college basketball? To your point, is his job that secure after this season if they finish as a six or seven seed? Well, it, it doesn't feel, I mean, it, it has that staleness. It just feels stale. Like, you know, like whatever. He He's obviously, um, you know, well-regarded as an X's and O's guy. I appreciate that he's not a screamer, you know, like he seems like a more modern coach, a player's coach. But, um, and, and look, maybe there's just a, a reality where it's like, it's not that the team has tuned him out. It's just they're, they're, they have two good players and a bunch of crap. Like that's, that's not good enough, especially in this Eastern Conference. Um you know, when you watch the games, if they're close, it comes down to the final two minutes and they just run guys at Tatum and Brown and the ball has to swing. And then you just have a stiff taking a big shot in the final minute and it doesn't go in and then and they lose. Um, you know, they, they just lose close games over and over again, despite having these two studs. So I can't, you know, it's hard to believe I'm saying this, but like it wouldn't break my heart Stevens leave. I like him. By the way, I like the Celtics team. Every guy, every story you read is about another awesome thing the guy's doing for kids or charity. Like, they're great guys. Kemba Walker's a great guy. He kills your team. He can't guard anybody and he shoots a low percentage. What other part of the game is there? I don't like it's like he's awful. He, you know, and so there's this whole thing in the in Boston where it's like, if Kemba's knee is sound, if Kemba's knee is sound, if his knee is sound, what he's gonna be six five. What, so what if his knee is sound? He can't guard anybody, and he and he shoots an atrocious percentage from the floor. So the the big three, one of the big three, is very small and not very good. So so they're not obviously not contenders. Isn't um, the answer means- though? Listen, isn't the answer Marcus Smart to to what ails you? Isn't that the the solution? Well, you know, it's funny because he's because he's come back and he's not he's not himself. But even when he is himself, he really is historically uh, inept at shooting the basketball. I mean, he's had some runs and he's definitely the three pointer. Like uh, you can shoot thirty percent from three and not really kill your team. But like the the, the other night against the Jazz, you know, that just the scenario I was uh, outlining. You know, he had two. You know, we had two huge possessions down the stretch and they both ended up with him taking a three and he missed both pretty badly. And that was the game. And then Donovan Mitchell came down and made a three and you're like, Oh, that's a six point swing and the game's over. Um, I love Marcus smart. I love all the intangibles, 
but sometimes you need the tangibles. Making a <laughs> shot. <laughs> so, but to your question, it's funny because like, you know, if you're the head coach at Indiana, you're not hurting for dough. You know, I don't know what your portfolio is. I don't know what, you know, what your real estate, but like you got money. And I just think, I mean, Nick Saban obviously is sort of the, the best example of this. Like, it's just a better life. It's just a way better job to, to coach people who make less than you. And that's a big deal, right? Like when you're telling, telling somebody what to do, fuck off, you're poor compared to me. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> I, don't take, I don't take notes. I don't take notes from poor people. Dick Wolf, uh, during the, you know, the law and order heyday and then, and then beyond, Dick Wolf had a note in his contract that he couldn't take notes from anybody who made less than him, which pretty much eliminated <laughs> everybody at the network. Like, you know, like, well, nobody makes as much as you, Dick. Yeah, exactly. Fuck off. I'm not taking notes from any of you. So, like, when you see these late game timeouts, he's like, this guy's worth $150 million. Of course he's daydreaming as you go to the chalkboard, you know, so as opposed to being a college coach and actually like you're there to be shaped, to learn, you know, like maybe you can help me make a living. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that the quality of life thing is a no brainer as a coach. If you have a, if you have one of those good gigs, like, like Bloomington. I hear you, but it does, it, it does, it, it can veer into creepitude as well. Like, yes, I want to dominate these, these young adults rather than have more of a, uh, a peer relationship. With All right. Well, I don't think we have to worry about fucking Brad Stevens getting the bullwhip out with Calbert Chaney. Okay. Your guy True. is a monster. He's the all time monster who loves to bully children. He's the general, gonna... a, a terrible guy. Um, don't worry about that. You know, the, the, the undergrads will be safe with Brad Stevens at IU. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to get me to support Coach Knight at this point, obviously. But yeah, I listen, I'm with you completely. And it's a good, it really is a good debate, specifically like college town versus uh, cool city. I mean, Boston is a great city, little conservative for my taste in terms of nightlife and otherwise. But still, Boston, pretty good place to live. Bloomington, Indiana, as grand a college town as you could ever go to. To me, the thing I wouldn't want to do if I were a college coach, though, it's the recruiting crap, at least, though, in offseason in college basketball, it's summertime. So at least you don't have to deal college football coach. Like when the season ends, then it's mid January to February. That's when you're out on the road. And I'm I'm getting to be I'm tracking towards full on agoraphobia. And uh, after the past year <laughs> and going into people's homes and to sit there and to eat the cheese that they lay out and everything and pretend I like the pigs in the blanket so I can get their seven. So I can uh, I mean, you talk about you don't want to have to kiss ass. You have to kiss the ass of like a 17 year old kid and his and his parents. And I, I like that. That wouldn't appeal to me. Well, but let me ask I, you this. Which which would you like? You, you, both of these things sound fucking awful. Um mm. Obviously, what you just outlined is is a nightmare, you know, and, and, and I thought they did that really well in the blind side when they got the actual coaches to come into that movie and sit in the living room. That was like, oh, man, you're begging. You're begging. You're grown men. You're begging. Uh, but uh, but boys in the nice hood, too. Be, 
Boys in the Hood when the when the USC recruiter goes over and, and all the kids, uh, Cube and company, are out there on the porch as you go in and like, is this the right house? And um, that yes, right. That so, that they, so, they did a good job. That's, that that's obviously awful. Um, although some of the you know the the more platinum programs recruit for themselves, obviously the the, the name. But um, how nice would it be if you were a coach to never? hear the words mid-level exemption like the things these guys have to understand like i don't like and and i've never you know obviously simmons is just a fucking cyborg on these issues he's like well we can trade his salary for the mid-level like i'm like what are like his knowledge of the of cap issues and trading salaries and and i'm like if i were a coach i'd be like to drop a play where the guy sends sets a back pick to free up my shooter and the idea that they have to all same with nfl coaches let me tell you about the luxury tax then you have to just have an economics degree which this will be a nice segue into the, the patriots spending orgy uh you know this this alleged economics genius bill belichick who's i don't know i can't figure out it's it is um like a hillbilly just won the lottery. Like this spending is insane. I, it, it, it is, it is. And, but one last thing about the Brad Stevens thing is, I feel like this entire conversation that we just spent nine minutes ourselves on is, is entirely moot because Brad Stevens would have to, I'm not saying it's impossible he would do it if the team is really on a downward trend, the Celts, but Brad Stevens would have to quit to do that, right? He would have to say, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to be around for the playoffs, fellas. Goodbye. I'm going to Indiana because the Hoosiers aren't going to wait out the Celtics departure from the playoffs to make a hire. They're not going to hire somebody in, in, on July All 1st right. well, or whatever. This is your hypothetical. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, you know, but, because everybody's debating it. And I don't even understand what we're talking about here. He's not leaving the Celtics with, uh, with the playoffs. Nice. So what's even the point of it? And Calbert Cheney, who you mentioned there neatly, is the right answer. I love that. Uh, I love the narrative of of uh, the Hoosiers, my all-time favorite Indiana Hoosier, Calbert Chaney, maybe even a sweeter stroke than Kevin Hench on the blue top. Oh, I love that left-handed shot of, yeah. uh, of 40 there. Better, uh, better shooter left-handed. He would beat me in horse if we just shot left-handed. Generous. Um, Eddie Spaghetti waiting to hear about Kenny Galladay. Spaghetti, don't uh, don't be shy about jumping in with any free agency news. It's coming fast and furious. Juju Smith-Schuster people in Pittsburgh, I guess now maybe do have some hope. I still do not think that uh, Juju winds up back in Pittsburgh, but I think people are holding out hope for a one-year deal there. I still think that uh, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. That's what you want. And in the meantime, Hench's team, the New England Patriots, are buying up nine out of every 10 available free agents here. Hench, how's it all hit you here? If nothing else, it's a complete departure from the way Belichick's done business for 20 uh, years. Yeah, like uh, just a crazy – like it, it. it's almost like someone said you have six months to live. Like it's like what are you doing? Like you're going like, – like I'm going to go on that roller coaster. I'm going to see Paris. Um, like so – this the the John o. Smith, Hunter Henry, Nelson Aguilar, uh, Kendrick Bourne signings were basically a hundred and twenty five million dollar billboard advertising campaign to say we don't know how to draft. They're just basically saying we can't draft. 
We we do not we can't comprehend college game film. We we drafted Nikhil Harry over a bumper crop of all pro receivers. I mean, AJ Brown and DK Metcalf sitting there. We saw something about this bum who couldn't separate in college. He still can't separate. I mean, the only thing he can separate from is the ball when it hits him in the hands. Like it's such a fucking bust that draft pick just haunting us for years uh, as DK Metcalf and AJ Brown um, accumulate pro bowls. And, you know, I mean, Deontay Johnson, like there's like seven guys who've contributed at least. I mean, Kale Harry's just, he's been awful. Well, then- wait, wait, wait. Now I wasn't, listen, Hank, you're getting doom and gloom. I got, I got great news here. Mr. Sunshine, all that is a thing of the past. Cause now you have Mr. Vice grip himself, Nelson Aguilar. Exactly. Secure. So, so, so you blow it, <laughs> you blow it on Nikhil Harry, and then and then you go on a spending orgy for Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. Aguilar, I mean, anytime you see this, right, where a guy has a completely aberrant season and then gets paid, oh, what do you think is going to happen? You think he's going to continue the 18.7 yards a catch that he had last year or go back to the 9.3 that he's had for his entire career? Two years ago, Nelson Aguilar averaged 9.3 yards a catch and 5.2 yards a target. And you think about the, today's NFL, how hard it is to average five yards a target in the passing game. Now, a lot of that's Carson Wentz. But Nelson Aguilar um, had just a, a, a freakish aberrant season last year and, and got paid as if that's who he is. So, so that's, that's, it's so, it's so Jetsy Jaguarsy to do this. It is so antithetical to everything we know about Belichick and the, his apologists. And if you want to mount some defense for what he's doing here, yes, they had all the money in the world. I think you're, I think you're definitely understanding my tone. If you think I'm mounting an apology, (laughs) I think you're definitely getting what I'm trying to say here. I don't know. I, I know you're not, I'm not but I mean, it gets worse. With, it gets worse. They spent go ahead two third. They passed two third round picks. Like a third round pick is valuable. So they spent two third round picks on tight ends last year. Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene. <laughs> and it's not like you know. It's one thing to go, um, hey, we'll cut them some slack. Everybody had those guys high on their board. It's like everybody had Troutman higher than those guys. Troutman was was ranked number one in the NFL in their blocking ratio, you know, whatever, 86.9 ratio of winning his block, beating his man. He's going to make $1.1 million uh, a year, or you know, in his rookie contract, while Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith are pulling down $87.5 million because the Patriots whiffed on two tight end picks in, in the third round. So basically Belichick saying like, I fucked up, which I appreciate because he did spectacularly. Um, and, and so we're just, we're just throwing $125 million at these four players, which is kind of ironic because even if they were great signings, it doesn't really matter when you catch the ball on, on the bounce because that's what's going to happen when Cam Newton throws the ball to any of these guys. It's going to be a one hopper. And you can make a spectacular catch on a one hopper and they never give it to you. They don't go, they don't move the chains when you fucking, when the quarterback bounces the ball to you, 
you can lay out and make a one-handed catch and they just don't count it. It's just really weird. And it really, it's very prejudiced against Cam Newton because the bounce pass, as John Wooden taught us, is such an effective play, except in football where they don't count it. You know, I mean, obviously all of these signings are, are against the backdrop of, of Cam Newton, which is just completely depressing if you're a Patriots fan. And by the way, Patriots to win the East to plus 350, like, they're going to finish four games behind the Bills. Like, that, that, oh. that they're... Yeah, I agree with that. First of all, this is it, it's marvelous, Eddie Spaghetti, that uh, I like the Patriots starting quarterback more than Kevin Hench does. That makes me laugh. Um, but good news for you too, Hench. More good news for you is at least your old pal Tom Brady, like he's got all his guys back in Tampa. So you can live vicariously through what's going on down there if you want. I be, you know, but that, I will. that game, Bucks, Bucks, Pats is on the schedule next year in New England. And, and you know, people in New England are getting excited about that game. It's like, what is that? I didn't know that it's in Foxborough. That's the greatest. Poor Belichick is hoping that nobody's in the stands for that one because that's that is it. That's when he has his come to Jesus moment in full effect. And we had Ross Tucker on earlier in this week. I don't get what the motivation is. Why does everybody want to be like a cool like Belichick doesn't care about this and 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 the old school football man? Like you think Bill Belichick is bothering to concern himself with what's going on down in Tampa Bay in another conference. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I I know Bill Belichick as much as he goes out of his way to pretend he's not a human being. I'm almost positive he is. Ergo, I assume he has similar emotions to most other human beings. I'm sure it doesn't sit well with him. And whatever excuses you can make for, I mean, they had all the money in the world. And in a football sense, the team was bad last year. And so, of course, you're going to bring in a bunch of guys. And I like Henry and I like Smith adding. There's no question that Belichick overpaid to get those. I mean, Bourne and Aguilar paying that amount of loot to those two guys. There's no justification for that. And it's because of the diminished appeal of Foxborough. That's why he has to do it to bring it in. And I still think it winds up with, I don't know what might happen here. Maybe Belichick with the new look Belichick. I compared him earlier in the week to, um, he's very much like Olivia Newton-John in the last scene of Greece, which is an outrageous scene and a terrible message. You have two little girls. Make sure they don't watch Grease, uh, Hedge, because the message of this movie is she's a good girl the whole time. Sandy's a nice girl. You know, that's that's why Travolta ain't into her is because or he kind of into her. It's like, you know, she's a little bit uh, uptight and whatever. And she doesn't know what to do, how to win his affections. And then uh, so she shows up all tarted up in satin pants and smoking cigs and, and high heels and otherwise. And then she winds up, she catches her man doing it that way. I don't know what we're supposed to take from that, but I feel like Bill Belichick is now Olivia Newton, John all tarted up, uh, burning a nail and like, Hey, look at me, Kendrick Bourne. Like what? You know, um, well, all I'll say to, all I'll say to that is, you know, if, if Olivia Newton, John, was on the team she'd be the best newton on the quarterback depth chart (laughs) so you're definitely not into superman i think he's still a borderline (laughs) hall of fame candidate i know you may laugh at this but look at him hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on on. go ahead go ahead have your fun hall of fame what hall of fame are you talking about that's the one i'm talking about i'm talking about the pro football hall of fame and i think that 
based on what Belichick's done, he's. I, it feels like he's trying to set Cam up for a power offense that that uh, lends itself for one season to Cam's yeah, schedule. That's a ringing endorsement of a quarterback. Well, let it me just feels say, like, if, if people, it feels like he's setting Cam up to hand the ball off. It feels like he doesn't listen, want him to throw it downfield. I feel like uh, before COVID, Cam was pretty good. People have forgotten about that, uh, but including you, apparently. I'm not, I'm not making some case. I'm uncomfortable trying to make some case for for uh, a Patriots player. But I will say, if we're going to push Devin Hester for the Hall of Fame, and I'm on board with him going as the best to ever do something in pro football, then Cam Newton is the greatest rusher greatest running quarterback in pro football history. His numbers are insane in that regard. Plus the great one of the three best rookie seasons for a quarterback in NFL history. Plus the insane 2015 season, which he wins the MVP and goes to the Super Bowl, throwing the ball to Ted Ginn Jr. and Philly Brown. The numbers are kind of there for him. They're not the traditional numbers that you would look to, but if he has a good season, what if they do go to the wild card? I'm not, I'm not, pinning it all to what happens this season. But if he has a good year and the Patriots rebound and and all of that, it will only add to his case. If he retires tomorrow, he's not going to the Hall of Fame. But if he has a, yeah. a good year or two, I'm with you, though. I think hey, the Patriots listen, are still. If, uh, and if Andy Dalton wins the Super Bowl with the Bears, I think we have to reconsider his career, too. I've already. What's your point? He's already, Cam's already done happen. things. That's the difference. Cam's already done great things. Andy, well, Andy had one good season too, but um, I do think the bottom line is where I'm, uh, where I think we arrive in the same spot is I think the Patriots remain in trouble unless they do something. I, but it's weird. I bring Cam in. Why does Cam sign off on the return before seeing what else is out there? Or I brought this up to Sal and he said, how do you know that the agent didn't already put out feelers to 31 other pro football towns and realize there is no market for number one anymore. And so he better just take this gig no matter what happens up there. But if the Dolphins, the Dolphins is constituted. And if the Jets get a quarterback, if it's Justin Fields or Deshaun Watson or maybe Russell Wilson or something like that, I think all of those are in play at this point. The Patriots are tracking the last place. Um, And no matter what, the Bills are almost certainly, you know, injury notwithstanding, Bills uh, at at minus one fifty five here in March seem like uh, the only savvy play here. I don't think the Patriots at plus three fifty to win the division is a great value at this point. Um, well, one quick note on the on the Bills, like it's funny the way that quarterback class you know has has yo yoed. Where you know for a second there it was like, well, obviously all four of those teams blew it because Lamar Jackson was the guy, but now. Josh Allen over Lamar Jackson like you know Josh Allen has separated from those guys like he he's so good and so yeah you're going into a season where you could have Josh you Josh Allen's your quarterback and Cam Newton's your quarterback who's going to win that division pretty clear but because by the way Josh Allen Josh Allen does what Cam Newton used to do as well as Cam Newton does it now and he throws spirals yeah, well, I mean, listen, I, I've said that for years now, that uh, if Cam Newton and Ben Roethlisberger had a baby, and maybe they did, it is Josh Allen. That's exactly um, how he plays. And in the meantime, on the banks of the Three Rivers, the OG of that style of QB, and everybody just just very upset, very like, I, I, I mean, 
The spoiled. I, I am I really bad. sad. Go ahead. I feel bad because I've been making fun of Roethlisberger for all that water weight that he's been carrying. I didn't realize he was pregnant. Now, I, I owe him an apology. That that explains <laughs> that explains the last couple of years of diminished mobility and those seven chins that like little piglets suckling at his, the bottom of his face. He's pregnant. Of course, that makes sense. He's, he's, he and Cam Newton are having a baby. That totally Leave trapped. seven alone. Seven never did anything to anybody and, and shame on you for, uh, for disparaging this man. Now listen, seven is the number of piglets or chins suckling at his neck. Seven. Oh my God. Get in shape. Look at the shape. I mean, Look at Tom Brady's body. Come on. I grew up in a, I grew up in a town with Myron Cope and uh, you know Billy Mike Lang, the greatest hockey announcer, and Billy Hillgrove on the microphone for the entirety of my uh, of of my life, calling Pitt sports and the Steelers and everything. I'm not used to this hot take thing that you have grown comfortable with being up in Boston, but that's what Pittsburgh's become now. This spoiled town where everybody, the doom and gloom, grim 2020. I mean, literal headlines uh, from Pittsburgh papers about grim, the bleak things are bleak for 21 and only getting worse. Like what the hell is everybody talking about? The, the, the things are so dire there. It, it is a haircut that like the, the buzzer, like look at spaghetti's terrible haircut. If you, um, that's a bad example because the finished product is terrible too. But um, imagine if spaghetti only got halfway through the buzz cut and then you tried to assess the quality of the job that the barber did. It's too soon. They haven't had the draft yet. The Steelers are bargain basement hunting. They don't have the money Belichick has. Relax, everybody. It's not the, by the way, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Chargers, these are all better than anyone in the AFC North. So relax, everybody. Whether or not the Steelers win the Lombardi is not necessarily the standard here. There is no better, as I keep saying, there's no better option. This is where the Steelers landed because COVID hit, the cap dropped, this was unexpected, they got jammed up, they're still going to be good. I bet you now, hear me now, believe me later, they will still win double-digit games, and that's not the worst thing in the world. I love the new hey, standard, hey. too, in Pittsburgh. This new standard in Pittsburgh is like, it's the Coach Tomlin and Roethlisberger. They're so worried about their precious never having had a losing season. Do you? Oh, oh who cares? Tomlin has never had. Yeah, that, that's good. That's a good thing to have. What, what, ask Jets fans or Vikings fans or, or Lions fans if that would suck, if that would be disappointing to always have uh, double-digit wins. They, they're like, like, enough with Tomlin and his precious never having a losing season. Like, well, what's the standard? <laughs> what do you want to have? Listen, yes, I'd like hey, to win the Lombardi you're too. right. You're also, right. we're in a conference with Tom Brady for the last 20 years. What? You're right. They've set a very high bar for themselves. And guess who couldn't do one chin up on that bar? I'll give you a hint. He's got seven chins. Um, <laughs> number seven. Uh, hey, do you remember this? Because I have a vague memory. You mentioned Mike Lang, right? Uh, yeah. Sheck and I met on a sports trivia show called Sports Geniuses. And so, you know, we would write these sports trivia questions and like, some of them were kind of filthy. Like we were just trying to get away with double entendres all the time. But I have this vague memory of, um, I believe it's Mike Lang. You'll correct me if I'm wrong, but that, that the question of, you know, he beat him like a rented mule and that got flagged by standards. Like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. 
you can't promote animal cruelty on this show. Like, and we were doing all kinds of terrible, filthy stuff. Dodgers hand job to, jobs to rookies. Like, we, it was everything was a sex joke. And then we did this, this beat him like a rented mule. And they were like, whoa, whoa, you guys are out of control. It's like, yeah, that's just, that's what he says on TV. Well, not on this TV show. We don't. I, I mean, the things that we got stopped down for, we should do a whole episode. Just we should do a whole. Uh, by the way, Mad Vaskurgeon, our old pal who hosted that show, is now the voice of the Halos, the L.A. Uh, Angels of Anaheim or whatever they are. Um, we got to let's Love have a reunion. Oh, he's a he's as uh, swell a fellow as there is. And now he's uh, in SoCal. So we got to catch up with that guy. Um, all right. Oh, one last thing before we get into uh, spaghetti and meatballs here, because I saw Spaghetti put it on the rundown. By the way, Spaghetti, that reminds me what Hench just mentioned there, the sports trivia show. One of the great times was me for if you're a sports nerd, as Hench and me and Sal all happen to be, was we would ask ourselves questions and we would see who could name the most of like um, AL home run leaders from 1980 to uh the year 2000 go and everybody would go around naming one until you couldn't come up with one we call that here um uh use your noodle in honor of eddie spaghetti he's our game show host spaghetti cook one of those up for us next week i'm i'm willing to go i'll, I'll get uh oh my very God. likely yeah. i'll get owned by hench but still i'm willing. no to no it. no in fact, in fact uh you won't that is a that's a, reminds me of our actual origin story um where Damshek and I, this is the day we met. This is really sports history. Um, we were kind of interviewing for that writing job on Sports Geniuses. And part of the, like, maybe the interview process was we had to play around three against each other to like test our qualifications. And it was the 500 Home Run Club. And then, you know, we got very deep and then you missed one. and. And I was trying to let you down easy by saying, don't worry, I know them all. So you were not going to win. And then you took that in typical bad hench first impression. You're like, this motherfucker, like unnecessary to say, hey, don't worry, I know them all. But this this is a great bookend to that story. Chiefs Niners Super Bowl. Sheck and I are watching the Super Bowl together. And I ask Sheck. Defensive Super Bowl MVPs. And he runs the category chronologically without hesitation. And that's when I was like, that's when I felt I had to kind of lay down my sword. I'm like, Sheck's been for the last 20 years, Sheck's been in it. And I've been, I've been atrophying. Like I don't, I don't, I don't bone up on my 500 home run club. You know, I don't like, oh wait, I gotta add Gary Sheffield. You know, like I don't, I'm not like staying current. So I suspect you'll smoke me next week when my first guess is wrong. Um, but hey, listen, I wanted to, I saw on the rundown, this this uh, marriage or mortgage thing. Let's do five minutes. I want to this. talk about that too. The only thing I'll say is, Hench, I am the exact opposite of Eddie Spaghetti. Eddie Spaghetti knows nothing that happened pre-1996. I know nothing that happened <laughs> after 96. I know, I know, I can tell you everything that happened um before all that time but yes so I, I don't know true. why the the best the best well, that's one of my favorite uh little sports nuggets out there one of the idiosyncrasies out there that the miami dolphins 
have a number 13 who was a Super Bowl MVP, and it was Jake Scott. I think that's uh, that's one of my favorite things ever, two picks from Super Bowl 7. Go ahead, Spaghetti. You're upset? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. I, I mean, we got the haircut shot. We got, I have no nothing, yeah. uh, you know, four, since four years post my birth. I know nothing before that. What else we got to, right. to make fun of? The Rangers, the Rangers are nowhere near the playoffs. So you're probably going to mix in a giant shot here. Where else do you want to get out? Or what else do you need to get off your chest? I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> Please, keep your comments. Let's, let's, steer, let's, steer, let's steer it back. So let's cry about the people See? in the media being mean to the Steelers. Oh, the Steelers may have a bad seat. Like, yeah, they probably will. So let's, you know. I'm Let's not talking about the national media. Marriage I'm talking about the local media has gone crazy. They, they've they fallen prey to the same nonsense as everybody else. With the hot takes of the decade, of the next decade, Pittsburgh sports are going to be ta- – next decade? What about free agency? Unless they're spaghetti, spaghetti, able to- spaghetti is so hungover, and I feel like I've I've understood how hungover spaghetti is, and so I've been gentle today. But, Shaq, you're, you're just a prick, man. You, this guy had a birthday – he he did uh, you know fourteen shots and you're and you've and you've given him fifteen shots today. He's a sweet kid. Well, so what? Okay. If, so what if he right. doesn't that's know anything from the day before he was born? It's all right. That's his right to be ignorant. It's part of his generation. Don't be mean. <laughs> uh, Spaghetti did. You went on a twister uh, for St. Patrick's Day, eh? No. No, no, not even close. Uh, it was really just dinner. I just wanted to get a little bit of uh, the corned beef, even though I kind of despise it, but I still feel obligated to eat it despite it not being even an Irish thing. Uh, I'm not, I'm not a big Guinness guy either, but I had a few harps. That was really, it wasn't, was not uh, as crazy as uh, hench thinks I it might feel, be. I think that what is the best drinking holiday? Is it St. Patrick's Day? One. That seems obvious. I've had I've had some of the most glorious uh, one one of the all time great days of my life was the St. Patrick's Day in Chicago in the late nineties with the uh, with the insane river turn emerald um, green and all of that and it wound up at some point it seemed like a good idea to uh, celebrate the holiday by going to Indiana. Um, for some late night belts, which we did. We found ourselves at 2 a.m. in a bar in in the state of Indiana um, drinking and everything. July 4th, let me get, uh, you know, obviously New Year's Eve. I think for an older man like myself, what's really emerged for me is I as I've really embraced day drinking, the older I get, as opposed to late night benders. I'm going to go with Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's a nice day. It's not wrong to start drinking some wine around 11 a.m. and just keep on drinking it until uh, until the head hits the pillow. How say you? Well, I'm I mean, I've moved into this phase where, you know, I'll wake up at like 2.30 in the morning and be like, oh, oh, Christ. Oh, what did I do? And it's like, yeah, two glasses of wine with dinner. Like, I'm like, I'm some a fucking wreck. I'm like, I'm like, oh, my God. How many shots did I do? wine like my body is so incapable of processing alcohol at this point like when i when i hear you know these stories of lined up tequila shots i mean i obviously i did it when i was a younger man but like i cannot believe how tender and soft my my body has become when it comes to alcohol like literally like if heather and i go through a bottle of wine like the next day is shot shot there is no there is nothing getting accomplished uh as opposed to like you know in college you could drink a case of beer 
And then the next day be like, Hey, where are we going tonight, fellas? Where, what's up? You know, like, and so, so if you're still, if you're still day drinking hats off to you, um, Although maybe you, well, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a daily occurrence. I just want to make clear. I'm not, I'm not drinking as soon as we finish this show or anything like that. I just want to make it clear every other day I get, I get loaded Butter by, by noon. I'm about this marriage versus mortgage is perfect. Yes, we are. But I also want to say one more thing, a great occasion to do some day drinking first day of the tournament. Enjoy it on Friday, everybody. Well, I mean, I know today kind of counts, but anyway, yes, Spaghetti put, and I'm glad that as uh, serendipity would have it, we tuned into this one last night. Marriage or Mortgage is this big show on Netflix. What are your thoughts here, Hench? It's, so like, basically, couples are offered $35,000 and they can devote that money either to a mortgage or a marriage. How say you, Hench? Well, you know, like so many topics, we, you and I are the perfect guys to to chop this one up because mm -hmm. I I have multiple mortgages and you've had multiple marriages. True. <laughs> That's right. As, True. As, uh, okay. Bad, okay. Yeah. So so uh, you know so we know what we're talking about here, and I gotta say, fucking <laughs> flushing of money down the toilet for a wedding it is so asinine. And by the way. I mean, it's never, obviously it's never driven by the groom, but it, it's like, even, even the, the, the bride is playing into these ancient stereotypes about the big day. It's so nuts. It's like, just Beth and I had, Beth and I had this exact conversation last night and we were, we were as we were watching this disgusted, like what it, we, we must make sure that our daughters do not, I, I, and I think, I hope, fingers crossed, that this generation of like teenagers now, preteens now, girls are going to see how insane it is. I want to be a princess for the day. As 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 Beth put it, like, who the F do people think they are to ask people to come to town? And then they're discussing like, that would be so great for the big reveal when we come into the room at the thing. Like, who the hell do you think you are to, to throw yourself a ball? It's It really is insane and and retro. <laughs> there's, a, and like, uh, there's an old movie. Uh, and I don't mean old, like 1997 spaghetti. You know, I mean, I know that you consider those classics, Titanic. Um, I mean, old, like Ernest, Ernest Borgnine and Betty Davis. It's called A Catered Affair. And Ernest Borgnine and Betty Davis are the parents to this, to this young uh, bride who wants a catered affair for her wedding. She wants a catered affair. And Ernest Borgnine, this poor fucking slob, has been working his whole life as a cab driver to try to afford his medallion, like to get out from under the Danny DeVito character. Uh, you know, I could be my own boss. I could I could have my own cab and I could keep all the money and, and have, have a life that I fought so hard for. And then Betty Davis implores him to do this this mitzvah for the stupid daughter. And so the guy goes, OK, I'm going to give her a catered affair. And it's like it's a fucking happy ending. And I'm watching this movie like I had to blow my brains out. This fucking guy worked his whole life so that he could be his own man. And then his dipshit wife and dipshit daughter convinced him to hemorrhage all of his savings on a catered affair, which is going to end with the bride and groom probably in a fight at 3 a.m. And this guy's life has amounted to nothing now. Good. I hope you enjoyed your catered affair. 
because Ernest Borgnine has thrown his life away. Uh, you know, so all of a sudden, I feel like things are coming full circle here. That's what what Belichick has done this week. That's exactly what he's done. A catered affair, and and the catered affair is going to end with Nelson Aguilar dropping the bouquet. <laughs> Gonna say mortgage or Aguilar. That's the new show for <laughs> Belichick. I love it. Uh, <laughs> it is an absurd premise for a show. Of course, when you see the title and you're like, "Well, the show can't be about a like," and then you you click into it and you're like, "Yep, the show is about either we're gonna pay for your mortgage or for you to have a grand ball for yourself for one day." And and of course, the thing you ask is, "Who the f would ever take the marriage?" And as you get like six minutes in, you realize these dummies are going to take the marriage, aren't they? They're they're going to do that. And I I legitimately we agreed. I said we got to turn this off. I can't because I hate everybody in this show. I hate the husband and wife, and I hate the two hosts, and I don't care. I, I can't stomach any of it. And I love to watch reality shows. I love The Bachelor because it makes me realize The Bachelorette is the best because when it's 25 guys, I always, it makes vain Dave, self-esteem lacking uh, Dave realize like, at least I'm not as big a loser as those people are. That's 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 what reality shows do for me. I'm like, I go through, I worry about what I say and how I come off to people. And then I watch those and I'm like, I'm a, I'm a breeze compared to those people. I, I'm I'm imminently likable compared to those losers. Oh, hold um, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. This is you worrying about what you say? This is you <laughs> like, wow. I'm thrown. Forget he's so mean, and yet I don't know why. I, 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 I assumed this was like Dave unfiltered, not thinking at all. This is you worrying about what you say. He's so mean, Spaghetti. Cut oh him off. God. All right. We'll talk all to right. Hench next week. Good times. Thank you, fellas. Mean Hench. You see, Spaghetti? That's why it has to go down to you. He's mean to me, so then I have to say mean things to you to reclaim some uh some dignity you understand yeah he uh he has like every shot lined up like there's no hesitation he's ready to take you down in a moment's notice it's it makes the show fun you gotta always be on your on your toes i don't care for it and yet i press on why because i'm a professional and because i care about you the listener and speaking of which you are not going to be ready for the weekend if you don't know what's going on in the mass mutual east division we touched on it a little bit already let's do a deep dive now like we do every week with spaghetti and meatballs Welcome back for another edition of Spaghetti and Meatballs. Eddie Spaghetti here with Mikey Meatballs. And uh, I'd love to spend this entire segment just talking about the Rangers' glorious 9-zip win over the Philadelphia Flyers. But uh, I won't make it about that. But you know what? Before I will say quickly, I don't think they're totally out of the playoff hunt. I think their goal differential is a positive sign. You know, Igor is practicing again. Zibinijad had the first, you know, his real, honestly, one of the best games uh, of the season. Six points in a period. It's, it's insane. So he he's looking to be back. Things are heating up at the right time, I will say. It's going to be a tough thing, 16 race, but uh, I like where they're at right now. But uh, let's switch over to our third star of the week here. 
Unfortunate injury news of Genny Malkin, lower body injury. We know the NHL clubs don't really give too much info on this kind of thing. And then uh, your team, the uh, Islanders, Anders Lee injury. I'm just going to ask you, what, which injury do you think impacts the team more between the, the, the two players? That's a good question. It, it could be about equal, I'd say. Uh, I know Malkin's a better player than Lee is, but you know, in terms of what they do for their team, uh, it might be Lee just because he's the captain. So, yeah, I was, yeah, was going to say, what do you mean? No, I, I, think I, well? I think I and jinxed it last week by putting his name on uh, my my name tag. So I don't know. Yeah. And uh, I, Dave said in the pod today that, you know, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, oh, obviously now with if he's hurt, this is a serious injury. They cannot move Malkin and the Malkin trade rumors were false. But I still believe that if they have not gone in this stretch, the Penguins and won like seven to last nine and they were, you know, Malkin was iffy. I think they would have moved them. Now with this injury, it, it's a weird. They're in a weird spot too because if they do dip a little bit and their one trade piece is now injured, it's like what do they do in this spot? Like we just talking about, there's six teams fighting for a playoff spot. The Bruins are kind right. of teetering the fourth spot. You guys now with this major injury to your captain. Now they have an injury. The Flyers are kind of falling back. Rangers are getting healthy and kind of on the uh, the incline here. So it's. I mean, super stressful for a bunch of these teams. And I, I do think ultimately you guys will be fine. The Islanders will be fine. You guys are, what do you have, like 41, 42 points right now? As it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. With Trotz, it's always the uh, next man up as a mantra. So right. that's that's going to be expected. Right. So so, so your, your pick right now, you're going to go with uh, Anders Lee being the bigger, the more impactful player uh, to lose. Yeah, I think just because, you know, he's the captain, that whole type of deal. All right, moving on to our second star of the week. Some news and notes stuff. We're still dealing with this, obviously, the COVID protocols. Bruins and the Sabres canceled their morning skate. The Rangers, even though they won 9-0, had to be coached by their AHL coach and uh, former Blue Shirt Center himself and Boston University Terrier, Chris Drury, behind the bench for them. And I think uh, as of this recording, they are still coaching their practice, too. So they're going to be staying away for a couple a couple of days at least here, the Rangers staff. And the Bruins, obviously, they want to get these games in because they need points to hold them that fourth spot. And if these, these games versus the Sabres, who are, I mean, we'll get to them in a second. Just absolutely miserable lately, and you know the, the, you want to get four points versus this this club because they're they're terrible, and that'll help space the Bruins up with the Islanders and the Rangers and and the Flyers rather. So it's it's one of those things where we're still dealing with this in the season. You know, it's March 18th; it's still going to happen. We've have seen some weird oddities with it where teams will go into this protocol, and then a day or two later, everyone's fine, which is the best thing. We all hope for that, and they come out of it okay. But yeah, just you know, the, that's for the Bruins. The Rangers seem to handle it. The Bruins, obviously, like I said they want to get those games in because you want to beat beat up on the really bad team to help their playoff spot yeah i definitely think um you know maybe it's all right for the bruins they get a they get an extra day off here to uh sure. maybe regroup yeah. get you know and it's a spare day for some guys to get healthy but i just want to say with the rangers too uh that flyers second period yesterday was might have been the worst second period of hockey i've ever seen in my life i don't know it was just despicable and what was great about it too is it wasn't like they just beat up on one goalie, both goalies. I mean, they 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 crushed him. And Keith Jones during one of the intermissions was like, "This is not on the goaltenders. Like, this is a defensive no. thing. Like, the, they were setting up wide open oh, shots. So just like one timer is just like, you know, what? There's only so much the goalie can do when you have three skaters coming down on you with one defenseman. The puck just going every which way. 
you know, he's defenseless, literally was defenseless. So yeah. it was it was just the kind of game the Rangers need. And it's been such a weird season for them. Have like Hartford, the Hartford guys coaching Chris Jury, who's in like assistant GM coaching. You have the the uh, weird injury to happen to Igor, but it seems like he's coming back. You have the Panarin stuff, the Tony D'Angelo stuff in the beginning of the season. It's just like they if they ever got a normal looking team that was healthy and playing together it's like this is what can happen like they are an explosive team so i'm happy it's coming now maybe too little too late but thank you for bringing up that uh, that great second period by them i mean i i think uh i think it was provorov and there might have been a few others were a minus six yesterday in the game yeah. which yeah. is uh, you just i don't know you can't put those guys i mean they're your top guys but if you're going to be a minus six what the hell are you really doing well and, and I, the biggest thing about that too is looking forward is the flyers I'm, and i'm not sure we could look up what their odds are and on some people i know i mentioned a little bit uh, weeks back that i did like the flyers playoff chances i thought they were gonna be a good team they have a good mix of vets and they have a good young core but they may not be for real they may just be a team that they're just pretenders i agree and i mean i said it earlier in the year that carter hart was a little bit overrated but mm-hmm. last night was uh i don't think it was on them they really they pulled elliot and they really threw uh hard to the wolves right there so i don't yeah. know i don't know what they got they got to figure this stuff out with their goalies too plus 2500 to to win the cup right now i mean you have the penguins obviously they had the islanders obviously they had the bruins obviously they had capitals as well so yeah they're uh, I, I, don't, I don't know maybe i'm i was wrong about them i'm not going to buy into them but uh, anyway moving on to our first star of the week The Buffalo Sabres are a total mess of a franchise. I believe there was a publication that put them actually behind the Seattle Kraken. Uh, right now, the Seattle Kraken have not played a single game right now better than uh, the Buffalo Sabres. So they, they fire their head coach, Ralph Kruger, and then they go and say uh, the GM, Kevin Adams, comes out and just names Taylor Hall and says, yeah, we'll do anything and everything. We'll move any player. We have to get better. I just can't imagine that locker room being a fun place to play. It's just everyone's on walking on eggshells. Anyone can get moved any second. They just fired the coach. There's no life there. They only have six total wins this entire season. And it's March 18th. It's really one of the worst stories. And again, I thought that the Sabres could have been a sneaky play back yeah. into the playoffs with all the, the high-end talent they have, but it's just not happening for them this season. Yeah, it's it's pretty brutal. I don't know. Maybe you and me can go interview for the uh, the coaching job up there. Anyone can well, do better. Um, Anyone can do better. You have a premier player. You have, I mean, like you, you've ragged on Skinner. They bring in Taylor Hall in a one-year deal. They have Jack Eichel, a premier player in the league, and a bunch of other good talent on the team. Yeah, I mean, Darlene, Ristolainen, right. you know, you – Dylan Cousins, first-round pick. You have guys who can probably produce. I just don't know what's going on. I thought it would have been the fresh new uniforms, a lot of good young talent, mm-hmm. and they they just can't figure it out. And it just, you know, and getting back to what I brought up, it's just – I fully – well, first of all, I fully expect Taylor Hall to be moved. I think Eichel will be moved, but in that in now it seems like it may be a, a, an off-season thing instead of by the yeah. deadline coming up in a few weeks. I and mean, it seems like the Bruins are now going to be a bigger play in the, the Eichel sweepstakes, but – yeah, I, I mean, when your GM is just flat out saying, yeah, we'll, we'll trade anyone, we don't care. It's just like, that's just so miserable. And I, I know they're paid professionals, but as a human being, that is that is not fun. Knowing you're going to go into every game going to lose at least by two goals. It's it's just it flat out sucks for them. And that is the one the one really miserable team in the in the Mass Mutual East that you don't have to really worry about is the Buffalo Sabres. You know, speaking of Hall, I've, you know, drawn out some trades here for the Islanders. I You know, I've never been a really big Hall fan. I, I don't know if he's really brought winning to wherever he's gone. I know he was the hard trophy winner a few years ago, but I will say the other day he took a slap shot to the face 
and then came back in the game after. He took it like a missile slap shot to the face and came back in later in the game, which kind of changed my opinion on him a little bit. Uh, that's definitely not something I would think a, you know, a star player would do, considering you're probably going to get traded. You just took a slap shot to the face, and you're on one of right. the well, the worst team in the NHL. Well, one of the worst teams in the NHL. You know, I think his value is probably, you know, kind of cheap right now. So that's definitely a target for the Islanders to uh, fill in for Lee, especially just to replace at the deadline here. Um, he's definitely a guy. I know Palmieri. There have been rumors from the Devils. Uh, his contract's going to be up. And then you have a guy like oh, Felino too, from the Blue Jackets. He's like a tier three guy that I'd want, I guess. He, he'll, he'd fit in perfectly. I just don't know where you throw him in on their lines. And right. then, you know, a dream scenario, I think, for all Islander fans would be go get Patrick Laine. Right, because he's an RFA after the season's over. Yeah, uh, his confidence the, is at, you know, a low right now. I don't know how high his value is, but it may might make some lineup things complicated for the Islanders. Uh, I think Josh Bailey would be the odd man out there. That's a guy I think you should definitely look at. You're, you know, there's some line things you could do, but I, I don't know. We'll see what Lou does. He'll figure it out. He's got... um. He's got def- he's definitely got something in the works. He's definitely on the phone with Adams and uh, you know the Devils GM too. So we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and I, the deadline's April twelfth, the NHL's trading deadline, and I think the division that we always talk about will have a lot of teams involved. Some being sellers, some being buyers, like your Islanders. I think the Bruins will be buyers as well. It's going to be very interesting time the next few weeks to see uh, who gets moved here. But yeah, fun time right now in the East Division. Very nice work there, spaghetti and meatballs, muzzle tough once again, spaghetti on uh, on the blue shirts, vanquishing. The Flyers may it lead to more sorrow for the Flyers. Reminder, they haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1975. Enjoy the tournament, everybody. Enjoy NFL free agency. I hope your team is shaping up real nice like you had hoped it would. And uh, we'll be back next week with more Hooey and Applesauce. Reminder, though, make sure that uh, if you're betting on uh, the tournament or otherwise, make sure you're doing it. FanDuel.com slash minus three is how you do it. And uh, we appreciate the downloads, the follows, uh, spread the good word about uh, about the good show go back and listen to ross tucker a great episode there and uh, we'll be back after the weekend to get you right for the third round of the tournament and beyond until then thanks so much sports fans it's been a thin slice of heaven <laughs>